even when we think about segmentation, advisors, you know, dealing with the concept of who are my A's versus B's versus C's, I can't go get my oil changed without being asked, do I want good, better, or best? That's right. Right? And so the concept is out there. It's all over the place. So same thing with advisors. We want them to truly think about the experience. What are they doing for those different tiers? And just give it to them. All right, welcome to Kestra Out Loud, where we amplify the voice of the financial advisor. My name is Mark Schombeck, and my uh, co-host today is one Mr. Mike Pedlow. Hey, Mike Pedlow here, uh, Chief Compliance Officer for Kestra Financial. Thanks for being here, Mike. We are super excited to have a uh, guest here with us, Rico Caceres, who has uh, been brave enough to uh, to join us today to talk a little bit about outsourcing. Rico is with AssetMark, has over 20 years of experience in the industry, and for over the last decade now, has been working one-on-one with financial advisors all across the country, helping them on their businesses. So we're super excited to have you here. Yeah, well, certainly. Uh, thank you for having me. And uh, I don't know if I would refer to Mike as a co-host. I see him much more as a sidekick. You know, so. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Corchester. I love it. Well, awesome. Uh, thanks for being here. Topic today is the power of outsourcing, and obviously outsourcing can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, and also, you know, in different industries, it means different things. So, so Rico, why don't you just tee us up and set the stage a little bit when you think about outsourcing in context of an independent financial sure. advisor and their firm, what comes to mind? Yeah, so first and foremost is investment management. Asset is a TAMP, which is the turnkey asset management uh, program. And uh, when it comes to, well, what might you consider out to outsource from an independent advisor perspective, investment management typically comes to mind. There are some other things that maybe we'll get into from time to time during the conversation. But, um, you know, thinking about, well, how are portfolios constructed? Are there custom portfolios that maybe somebody else can handle or even pre-built type of portfolios? Who can help me with those things so that maybe I can do some other things or focus on other things? So investment management is certainly the big one. What, what do you think is the biggest resistance to outsourcing when it comes to portfolio management? I think uh, most advisors just look at uh, actually a couple of things. One, the fees, and then the other is the time spend. Um, a lot of advisors don't necessarily put a lot of time into the due diligence around well, what might the fees actually be. So they just assume they're, they're higher, right? It's being taken care of by somebody else. So, oh, it's got to be that way. And that's not always the case. Also, from a time perspective, uh, advisors may think, gosh, well, now I'm going to have to learn about this other firm. I didn't really need to before. Uh, I like to just kind of, you know, pick what stocks and which mutual funds I might want to go with. So why am I going to give up that control to somebody else? So from a timing perspective, you've got a cu- couple of different avenues that you can roll with. And so I think those are the two biggest ones out there. For sure. So you've mentioned it already a couple of times now, which sounds to be an important part of the equation, which is just time Mm -hmm. and an advisor's time and the value of their time. Uh, As you've been working with advisors across country, how, how do you help them get a grasp of that and, and really truly what an hour minute 
day sure. of their time. Like what's their worth? Like what's their time worth? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. So, and it's, it's interesting. So a few years back, you know, when it was all about, well, what are we doing with the DOL and this, this fiduciary concept? And it was around the value proposition. And, you know, even though it didn't fully go through, it's nice now, it seems like a lot of advisors kind of came to the grips with, Hey, I, I need to think about the value I'm bringing to the table. And it's moved into now, all right, well now what is it that I'm doing for clients? What's the value I'm bringing? How do I do it from a time perspective? So when you're talking about um, kind of what is their their value, what is their actual time worth, we do go through the exercise of, all right, well, let's take a look at, well, how much are you truly being paid on a, from a top line perspective? Let's pull out your overhead, but let's truly scrutinize the overhead, right? So we go through some financial management concepts to help them out. And then it's, well, how much time are you truly putting in? Some advisors, they don't take any time off. Others like to take, you know, over the course of a year, a couple of months. And so you may have two advisors that are generating the exact same amount of revenue. The reality is they're making different amounts of money because of the amount of time that they're spending in the business. And so we take a hard look at that and we want them to understand, well, where is it that they stand? Because over time, obviously, you hope to see that not only is top line revenue going up, but the actual value, what your worth is, it's going up as well. You know, it's sort of an interesting conversation, and obviously with regards to financial advisors, the time they're spending building portfolios, but it seems like like people, as we mature, we start really thinking about the value of time, right? That yeah. becomes our yeah. most important commodity. Yeah. And so it really does seem like it dovetails nicely. As you're starting to think about your kids are getting older, what are you really spending your time on yeah. at home, and, yeah. and where can you add value to your own personal satisfaction, yeah. And, yeah. and what are ways that you can, you can use Use to maximize that, right? It really yeah. kind of dovetails into that that yeah. life question. Right. Yeah. The whole concept of purpose-based planning is something that we talk to advisors about. And there are firms out there that can help advisors think about the type of questions that they're asking their own clients to help them with those conversations. Because people just kind of have this idea of, oh, well, what is life like down the road? But unless you put together a plan, it's kind of hard to actually stay on a path to, to meet whatever those goals are. So we do focus quite a bit on the emotional side, for sure. So we've talked a little bit about time as it relates to the outsourcing piece. From your experience, what, what, what have you seen in successful, what leverage have businesses been able to get out of outsourcing when you look at some of your most successful firms mm -hmm. and you think about their decision to say, hey, we're going to outsource this aspect of my business. Sure. What has that freed them up to do and, and what's kind of the benefit of that? Yeah. So I'll kind of take this back a little bit. So if we think back to the 90s and even before that, really the value prop or somebody's differentiation was how good am I picking stocks, right? It's access to information prior to the internet. And so what is it that an advisor had, again, access to that would generate good returns and whatnot? From there, it's kind of moved into financial planning, right, into the 2000s. It, it's, yeah, everybody had access to information now. And so it was, okay, well, who can provide a plan to, well, where we are today, which is it's all about the client experience. And so when we look at outsourcing, especially on the investment management side, Last year, ASMR commissioned a firm by the name of QA Research to go out and sur or, uh, survey advisors, some who were outsourcing investment management and some who were not, and get a good sampling. And, uh, and, and what we found was actually several things, um, that um, those who were outsourcing experienced greater growth from an assets under management perspective. They also uh, experienced lower operating costs because they were doing things just a little bit more efficiently, 
which of course led to a higher amount of personal income for those who were outsourcing versus those who were not. And so if you think about, well, how do all of those things happen? It happens because the differentiation around this client experience, if you've got more time, then you could focus more on your clients. We're not doing all the due diligence and all the research on the investments. We're now relying on somebody else to do that. So gosh, what can we do to just create that wow experience for people so that obviously they will then go chat it up with friends and family, hopefully it leads to additional referrals in the ball keep trolling. So really you're going to save a lot of time, but it's also a way to catapult your business into that next level. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the growth, you know, as I mentioned, you've got a 27% growth in assets under management. Of course, from a valuation perspective, you're seeing generally more recurring revenue. We all know the multiples on recurring revenue is much higher than on non-recurring revenue. And so it's a win-win, not just for the clients because of the experience that they're now getting, but also for the advisors, the business and their employees. So what about the advisor who, you know, either intentionally or unintentionally, is that such a word? Unintentionally. Unintentionally. Wow. I meant to say. I I do appreciate that. Um, (laughs) God, so now you got me off. Listen, while we're taking a short break from (laughs) rational conversation, can we have a quick conversation about Rico's jacket? I've known you for a number of years, Rico, and I've never seen you wear a ski jacket indoors before. Let's talk about that for just a moment. Well, in Arizona. I, yeah, in well, Arizona. In Arizona, but as you know, I am from Florida. So generally, once I leave the state in January and February, I've got some sort of jacket on. In Phoenix, it's actually been chilly uh, the past couple of days. It's early in the morning. So, uh, so yeah, I, I haven't warmed jacket. up yet. You I, got the, the Canada the Canada goose thing going Canada on, goose, right? Yeah. That's, that's serious it's, stuff. It's I mean, you look sharp. great. He's looking it, sharp. It but is, it's slightly the, ridiculous yeah. all at the same time. So, yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's All get right, back to real back, time. Back, yeah. to, back to reality. That other question will come back to me at some point. When you're working with an advisor and you're trying to get them to think about outsourcing, what's the process you go through or typically what does the advisor go through to figure out what it is that they want to outsource and to whom and how? Sure, sure. So uh, I work closely with our sales folks. So for those who are new to the concept of outsourcing, generally there is some level of fear. They're going into the unknown. And so all that we want to do is we just want to say, hey, let's just try with one relationship that you have. Generally speaking, I have no problem actually going to or having an advisor go to one of his or her best relationships and say, hey, listen, there's this other firm I've been looking at. I really like what they're bringing to the table. And I would love for you to have this experience with me as I go through this. What great client is going to say, no, that's not of interest, right? right? And so if you can just, you know, and of course this is our challenge, is if we can just have an advisor open his or her mind and say, yeah, let's go to one client. Let's go to maybe two or three of our best clients. Let's just open up that first account, maybe the second. Mark puts a whole team around our sales folks, so it's not just the one external regional consultant. We've got internals who are going to walk them through the process We've got, of course, the technology to help them and become more efficient through that process. And in the end, what we hope to find is that the advisor says, yeah, this actually is not as difficult as I thought. Now that I've got these one or two accounts established, now I'm ready to, to move forward with this and have at it. It seems like the key there, too, is I, I know some advisors feel like they're going to be disintermediated, right? So mm-hmm. you're in the middle of it. Now their value proposition right. has gone away. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I, the, I like the approach you're talking about when you're yeah. deep in the middle of it so that they're still the value proposition for their clients when it comes to the relationship right. and the coaching, which is really what we want advisors mm-hmm. really thinking about. 
exactly. hire your coach and advisors to do the right thing. And then, you know, let someone else do the, you know, the, the right. management of those dollars. Exactly. And as I mentioned earlier, if we're sitting here in 1995 yeah. and you were telling me, hey, it's about stocks and, you know, picking the best mutual funds. Okay. I probably get that right from a differentiation perspective. But now that we've moved more to that kind of experience economy, which it's not just financial services, right? We see this everywhere. Even when we think about segmentation, advisors, you know, dealing with the concept of who are my A's versus B's versus C's. I can't go get my oil changed without being asked, do I want good, better, or best? That's right. Right? And so the concept is out there. It's all over the place. So same thing with advisors. We want them to truly think about the experience. What are they doing for those different tiers? And just give it to them. I love the idea of, of starting with one or two just to kind of get the mm-hmm. momentum going. Yeah. Any other tips, tricks that come to mind to, to get the reluctant advisor kind of moving down that path? And, and actually, before you answer that, what, like, what, do you have a recommendation for which first two clients? Are you talking about like their first, their best clients, mm-hmm. their middle tier, mm-hmm. their kind of you know least favorite? Who, yeah. who do you pick? Yeah. So it's funny because some advisors will say, no, I want to try out new things on maybe my lower tier clients, right? right? The less right. complex. Right. Uh, that way, if the thought is something goes wrong, eh, maybe it's okay. Right. right. I could kind of overcome that. Others who I'd love to see them do is actually go after their best because, again, it gives them the opportunity to frame it up and say, hey, I value your opinion, right? I trust you to let me know what you think about this, and I'm, I'm going to go through a new experience. I would like for you to go through it with me. What do you think? And, again, most clients are going to say, oh, yeah, that, that's great. Let's do that. I'm a big proponent of you know, having a client advisory board, which typically is you know, five to ten of your best clients you know, maybe have a conversation with that particular group of, of individuals to move forward. So when I think about, you know, is it the lower tier, the less complex, you know, how we like to look at it, or maybe the middle tier, high tier, the high end, uh, more complex. Again, I'm completely content moving forward with the, the, um, the more complex. And we've got, you know, sales folks who can help them diagnose, all right, what is this individual situation or this couple situation? And where should they be? And again, really walk them through it. And so, Mark, you mentioned also, well, you know, what else can we do? Okay, well, that is on a one-on-one basis. But we have a lot of advisors who say, you know what? I'm bought in. Let's do a full-blown transition. Okay, that's fine. We've got a transition team. With this transition team, we'll put forth all the paperwork. We'll do as much of the kind of pre-population of data that we can and help them through that. And so either way, either, you know, ends of the spectrum, we could certainly move forward with advisors on. What's the typical time frame from the time an advisor says, yeah, all right, let's give it a shot, Rico. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've heard your story. Yep. Let's check it out yep. until they become comfortable. And then until they've made whatever transition it is that they're making. Sure. Sure. Probably not surprisingly, it truly is all over the board. Again, we've got some who after the first conversation, they say, wow, I've been thinking about this but you just articulated exactly what my thought process was. Let's get rolling. And if it's just, Hey, a couple of accounts, we could do that real quick. Right. But again, as I mentioned earlier, some say, no, I'm ready to block this thing out and we're going to move forward. Okay. Let's again, let's accumulate the data. Let's get it in there. We'll move forward with that. Some advisors, it truly is a longer process, similar to how they have experiences with their own prospects, right? Some prospects say, you know what? I'm uncomfortable where I am. I'm ready to make a move. I was referred to you. I already trust you. Let's, let's get going. Others, it kind of takes two or three meetings, you know, and you, even from our perspective, asset mark is not a fit for every single advisor who's out there. 
And that's okay, right? We want to make sure each advisor has, you know, the appropriate uh, uh, asset management provider, uh, just like we hope every client gets to the right advisor for them. So, Which brings up a a question for me. If I'm an advisor, I'm doing it all myself. I'm working late on a Sunday and and Mm -hmm. I'm getting Mm -hmm. to that point where it's getting to be too much and I'm open to the concept of outsourcing. What would you suggest as a good way of going about figuring out who I might want to partner with? Well, I would certainly say start by going to assetmark.com. <laughs> right? That was a softball. You're welcome. <laughs> now, having said that, there are great publications out there who put forth the kind of their annual list of TAMPs, right? And so I would certainly say take a look at that because again, not every advisor is going to look at SMR and say, yeah, that's the firm for me. But there are others that are out there that do things maybe a little bit differently. From our perspective, we think we've got a great platform of securities, right? And, and those who uh, provide the portfolio construction. But it just like I was talking earlier um, from a differentiation perspective for advisors years ago, that's what that was. And so for us, that's the same case. Now, moving forward for us, it is about, well, what's the technology that we're bringing to the table? What kind of relationship are we going to have and who are those relationships with? And so that will help an advisor determine, all right, which, which provider am I going to move forward with? Great. Do you, do you have a lot of conversations about, um, because I, obviously the, the asset management side of, of this conversation yep. makes all the sense, right? But mm-hmm. there's a lot of other things that you can outsource as well, right? And sure. I, I go back to... I'm just a compliance guy, so I got to go back <laughs> to my personal life, right? But so I think about in my younger days, I used to say, I'm always going to change my oil. I'm never going to let anyone else change my oil, right? <laughs> right? I haven't touched the inside of a car in I don't know how many years, right? I don't want anything to do with it. Exactly. I always am going to mow my lawn. I haven't mowed my lawn in, lawn in years, right? right. So yeah. Yeah. like there's a lot of different ways where we can improve the quality of our lives. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. also translates into the advisory side. So it's not just asset management. Do right. you get into those conversations? Yeah, we do. Things? It seems like another one that I've been hearing more about over the past couple of years is on the human capital side. Yeah. Right. It seems I don't, I've yet to meet an advisor who said, Oh, Rico, I got into this business because I wanted to manage people. Right. right? It's because they wanted to help people with right. their money. All of a sudden when they're independent, now they're business owners, they're having to make the management decisions. And in every location, it's not super easy just to snap your fingers and boom, here's a candidate for a a job, right? And so I'm seeing more and more firms pop up that are offering some sort of service as it relates to outsourcing human capital. Yeah, Uh, It seems like some of those front desk duties is kind of a nice place to start. And, um, you know, I'm sure Kester has probably taken a look at some of those firms and have a list of, of firms that are they're okay using. But that's another area where I would say, yeah, certainly consider that. Um, in my past life, I've used temp agencies for firms that I've worked with uh, personally. And so even if you say, hey, you know what, I'm just going to temp this out to kind of fill a role for a short period of time. Let's run with that. Even over the summer, uh, thinking about internships, right? Let's bring some of these college individuals uh, in. If we pay them, great. But what they're really looking for is something for their resume and, uh, you know, perhaps some, you know, networking opportunity. So there, again, the human capital seems to be kind of that next big space yeah, that yeah. Uh, I see people talk about. Those are great thoughts. And, and, it, yeah. and it pains me to say it. <laughs> I'm like biting my tongue. But I think the other big one that we're seeing as we're talking to advisors is compliance. Yeah. right. Yep. The, the work yep. that Mike and his team does to help keep mm-hmm. our advisors you know, on the, on the straight and narrow and abreast of all the changes that are right. coming at them at a pretty fast pace and, and to make sure that they're taking care of themselves and their business and their client. 
It's a lot you're, to keep you're, track you're, of. You're doing a lot of good outsourcing work there too. Yeah, absolutely. We we um, we do get questions a lot from firms about. Obviously, we take care of the ones who are registered with us um, pretty deeply. But you know, ones with their own RIAs um, mm-hmm. that comes up quite a bit. Right, it's yeah. a huge burden. How do you know what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it? Right. And a lot of times, it's the principal of the firm who's doing that work, and you know they're trying to manage that and. Their client base, right. all those things. It leads me to a really important question: Who's the um, who's the best compliance officer you've ever met in your life? Rico? Oh boy! Yeah. So oh there was uh, this gentleman I worked with years ago by the name of Don Runkle. Just <laughs> love that guy. Next to him, it might be a gentleman by the name of Mike Pella. Uh, uh, Don, by the way, <laughs> I very got to, far second. Got yeah, to spend I, don't, some, I don't know this guy, but I'm guessing <laughs> I got to spend some time with Don last week, and he is rocking the best mullet I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I Not Don, a surprise. Yeah, uh, that's fantastic. <laughs> that's but fantastic. no. That's a good point, Mark. And so I have seen um, advisors from um, uh, different broker-dealer affiliations, and compliance is a huge component of the relationship that an advisor has you know, with his or her own broker-dealer. And so being with a firm like Kestra certainly adds that huge advantage to those firms or to those uh, individual branches from a compliance perspective. Absolutely. Sure. Great. Well, since the two of you uh, are old friends, you got any good scoop on Pedlo? That we can share publicly? Gosh, you know, I don't know that I do. Mike, you know, coming from the compliance side, he was always on the straight and narrow, you know, although he, he's got a great personality, unlike most, I think, compliance officers. But uh, I never saw him really kind of stray, you know, too far from the uh, the path. So Such a I'm clean answer. I'm so clean. <laughs> yeah, you are clean. You are clean. So, Rico, this is uh, nothing to do with outsourcing uh, whatsoever. But just to get to know you a little bit better, sure. what's retirement look like for you? Personally, for me, uh, well, and I, I'm not sure if you heard me talk earlier, uh, Mark, but about a year ago, we moved out to uh, Indian Shores, which is on the beach side of uh, the Tampa St. Petersburg area. And so uh, for my wife and myself, it's just a matter of continuing through, uh, you know, my current career. And then once that over, we're already where we want to be, which is a great thing. But from there, I've got a couple different hobbies where maybe I'd like to do a little bit of part time work. So for me, it's not about truly retiring and, you know, just walking off onto the beach on a daily basis. I do want to keep working uh, in some form or fashion, but maybe doing something just a little bit different, but we love where we are. That's for sure. It's a beautiful spot. uh, So, so do you think um, that what you do is incorporate your hobbies into what you, what you do? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so speaking of that, just uh, as an example, I'm, I'm a big fan of of auto racing and there's an advisor I work with in the Florida area who, uh, that's his passion as well. And he's built out a great website that's, you know, kind of takes that into consideration, has a look and feel. He goes to different auto events, you know, networks at, at those types of events. And in the end for him, it's, hey, if you've got a passion for auto, we may actually have a, a connection that could be worth spilling into the financial services side. So I love it when advisors can take their own personal passions, incorporate it into client appreciation events and even ne- their own networking events. And have some fun and, and roll with it for sure. I, I absolutely love watching the creativity when it comes to that. And, yeah. and really, it then comes down to, again, quality of life, right? If absolutely. you can make what you're doing fun mm-hmm. and you enjoy it and you can incorporate some of your hobbies into it as well, yep. then, yep. then uh, you know, you're already sort of semi-retired as it is, right? <laughs> you still got to put a ton of work in. Right, right, but right. you can still have some fun, and that's a good way to get it started. Yep, it's all part of the experience. And, and it's to the heart of what we've been talking about, outsourcing, right? That's right. If, right. if you're slammed in the office and stuck mm-hmm. rebalancing portfolios or doing trading, you yep. know, you don't have the time to be out on the track with your clients and exactly. building the business. Exactly. It's it's at the uh, the cost of not spending time with the with the clients, and that's yep. what this is all about these days, Yeah, so, for sure. So, 
always been a relationship business. I'm a big believer. It will always continue to be a relationship business and relationships take time and investment and time and got to be able to have that time to do it. Yeah. Relationships. And and really I I said before, I'm I'm a big believer in in our job, our job, meaning the industry is to coach people um, to getting to, you know, that level of dignity in their lives. Right. And, and seldom does that mean necessarily, Oh, I picked the right stock. Right. Mm -hmm. That's right. It's helping people understand what they need to do to achieve their goals. And sometimes even helping them understand what those goals are. Right. And find some niches of things that they're really interested in. Right. So um, it is, it's all about the people. Yeah, which is sure. why I love this business for sure. Yeah. Nope. And I appreciate that question, Mike, because from a, an advisor perspective, it is about having the individual clients and prospects visualize our, well, what is the future? What are we moving toward? Mm-hmm. That way, if you find somebody does kind of, you know, stray a little bit, you could bring them back and say, well, wait a second. Didn't we talk about this? Isn't the, just the vision that you had? I'm not seeing that now. Do we need to make changes? Do we need right. to make tweaks? Uh, or do you need to make tweaks? Right. Right. And get back on the path. Right. Yeah. All right. Last one. What question didn't we ask you about outsourcing that you think we should have? So, um, again, as I mentioned earlier, uh, last year we uh, commissioned uh, Q8 Research to do some research, and we put forth a a white paper titled The Power of Outsourcing Investment Management. And uh, all kinds of different statistics that are in there. But for me, there was one that really stood out, and it was that for 86% of the respondents – they agreed that outsourcing has made them more successful. To me, that's a big, big number. That's huge. Yeah. And so for an advisor who is on the fence, and again, I'm talking investment management, but it could be in some of those other areas that we hit on earlier. And so I would say, give it a shot, give it a try. There's nothing wrong with with backing down. If you discover, you know what, this isn't what I anticipated it to be. Uh, Maybe the timing wasn't right. Maybe the partner wasn't right, whatever it is. But when I see 86% agree that outsourcing has made me more successful, wow, I've, that tells me I've got to look into something. So that, that would be uh, the ad that I'd want to throw in there. Awesome. Yeah. Excellent. Well, before we wrap it up, what hidden talent do you have that you can show us here on this podcast? <laughs> wow, that I could show on the podcast. Yeah. Um, most of my, uh, my talent is actually out either in a car uh, going at uh, full speed or uh, shooting some guns, which I don't know how cool Kestra is on that. Oh, but, we're big uh, on guns. <laughs> um, and I know I don't want to do that in this booth. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Although, you know what? Actually, I could arm wrestle you and I'm fairly confident Ooh. that I'll take you out. Ooh. I'm but, fairly uh, confident you would take me out as well. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's, I would uh, definitely, I would definitely worked out put, in 15 years. I would so. definitely put some money down on that one. Yeah. That is fantastic. What's the fastest you've ever been in a car when you've been behind the wheel? Yeah. So when I've been behind the wheel, this um, uh, actually 160 is the fastest that, that I've been. But uh, this uh, last year I picked up a new vehicle and now I'm looking at, uh, at doing some half mile passes in this past, um, uh, October, I did one of those events and got it up to 154 and change inside of a half mile, wow. which is pretty spectacular. And I'm spinning wheels the first quarter mile of it. So, yeah. uh, later this year, I'm looking forward to going off and doing that again, maybe locking it down a little bit more, see if I can get over that 160 mark again, all inside of half a mile. So, so you're drag racing. Stuff. That's your So deal. that's, that is yeah. dragging. Yeah. That's absolutely. awesome. That's I have, uh, I grew up with a, uh, a friend of mine, him and his dad did some drag racing and they mm-hmm. dropped the, this giant engine and this little 
Ranger, Ford Ranger truck, yeah. and they take that out to the local, the, the Sunshine Speedway track. I don't yep. know if that's still there. Yep. And uh, just a blast. Yeah, the Sunshine uh, Speedway track, it's it's dialed down a little bit, okay. but at that half mile event I mentioned, there was one truck out there, kind of looked like a farmer truck, yeah. but it had the biggest rear end uh, wheels that you've yeah. ever seen on that thing. Now, I will say toward the end of the event, that was the only car that actually broke down. Uh, <laughs> well, but it wasn't after it was going well over 160. Yeah. Wow. So, do you, so do you break down every time you go out there? No, I do not. Yeah. Because <laughs> they did. So. Yeah. <laughs> Another reason for outsourcing. Right. So yeah, there you go. There awesome. You go. Well, Rico, we very, very much appreciate you taking some time to yeah, uh, share your perspectives on outsourcing. I want to remind everybody to make sure that uh, you subscribe to the podcast on wherever you access your podcast. We're everywhere. Mr. Pedlo, any uh, parting words? No, I do just uh, thank you so much for spending some time with us. It's yeah, been thank, really interesting. Well, thank you all. Thanks Ke- uh, to Kestra. We certainly appreciate you all. Uh, appreciate you guys as a partner. Thanks, Rico. Thanks, everybody. This has been Kestra Out Loud, where we're amplifying the voice of the financial advisor.